0: that could come from people who have overcome amazing odds and survived and flourished, in fact. We need to encourage ourselves because we live in a cut-and-thrust world. Anybody notice that? It's pretty rough out there. Um, Connect Group's a great place for us to get together and encourage each other. But Connect Group's are not just meant to be a support for when we're in trouble. If that's all we do, we send signals to each other that... You know, life is tough and life is always going to be a battle and that we're never really going to find the peace and joy that Jesus promises. Connect groups are meant to be far more than that. They're meant to be places where we can also share these great stories about overcoming and pour courage into each other by sharing stories of triumph, stories of victory, stories of overcoming, getting over the top of some of the issues that we face in life. I love that AV because it was much more than a story about vision builders coming off. Uh, It was much more than a story about getting money into the bank. It was much more than that. It was the story of a man overcoming over a long period of time when there was so much opposition. So much opposition that he was so weary at one point he felt like giving up. He's a hero in my book and He's a hero because he overcame the odds and saw a great victory. And I I really want to press this point with you this morning. You are surrounded by heroes today. There are a bunch of people sitting in the seats all around you who have overcome. And others who are overcoming. And they're ordinary men and women. And that's one of the reasons we miss each other. I think sometimes we think an overcoming Christian is some kind of super Christian with a cape and able to do great and mighty things beyond our imagining. They're not. They're just ordinary men and women like you and me. The Bible is full of heroes who overcome. Ordinary men and women who rose up against all kinds of adversity and overcame the odds instead of being overwhelmed by the odds. You know, we live in a world that is hostile to anything about God. Anybody notice that? I don't think I have ever seen such hostility as I see at this present time in history. The hostility towards Christianity, hostility towards the church is just overwhelming. I believe the world is openly hostile to anything Christian. And as I've said on Many occasions, it's more than just being anti-God, it's anti-theist. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean the world not only doesn't believe in God, it doesn't want you to believe in God. That's kind of what's behind this uh, this thrust at the moment to uh, bring down, dismantle the chaplain's program into the high schools, into schools. See, what they're saying is, We don't want our kids to be spoken to by a chaplain and we don't want your kids to be spoken to by a chaplain. That's anti-theism. The media is anti-God. Social commentators are uh, 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 anti-God. Educationists are anti-God. Economists are anti-God. Society as a whole seems to be anti-God. Why am I going on about this? It's I'm just trying to set up something which I think we're all aware of but probably don't realise the consequences of. And that's the fact that we as Christians feel overwhelmed. We feel like we're on the losing side. We feel like we're going to lose the battle. We feel like everything is against us. And as a result, right at this particular moment in history, it seems to me that Christians everywhere are being overcome instead of overcoming. I think many Christians feel like this and church leaders everywhere talk about this sense of being overwhelmed in their churches. I speak to Christians who seem dazed and overawed and speechless and stunned and even flabbergasted by some of the stuff that's going on. And I want to say, let's stop that rot today. Let's turn it around today. Isn't that a good idea? I think it is. Listen, Jesus is still Lord. He's still captain of our salvation. God is still on the throne. The God of the universe is still sovereign. The church is going to win. The Lord of the church is going to win this battle. The church will overcome. No power in the universe can stop that happening. And we need to tell ourselves that. We need to believe that. Just look at the history of the church. It should never have survived the last 2,000 years. It should never have survived. But it did. And it will. And it is. In fact, for the first time since the first century, the church is growing faster than the population rate of the world. And you can Google that and check it out for yourself. I say the rot stops today. It's time for us to take back some ground and today we begin to overcome the world instead of being overcome by the world. You're surrounded by heroes of faith. They're all around you in this room. But I want to talk to you about someone from the Bible who has always been one of my standout heroes of the faith. Look at Numbers 13 verse 30. It says, Then Caleb silenced the people before him Moses and said we should go up that gives us a great clue right from the very beginning we should go up he says and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it Caleb what a name I wish I'd been called Caleb Philip lover of horses (laughs) I don't even own a horse can't even ride a horse but Caleb What a name. Caleb was an overcomer. He was not overcome, he overcame. Now the dictionary defines an overcomer as someone who gets the better of something. I love that. An overcomer gets the better of something. And that's what I want to be like. Someone who gets the better of things. Caleb got the better of things. The Bible definition is even better. I think it's got a more uh, eternal kind of ring. To the definition. The the, the Bible uh, definition goes like this. An overcomer is someone who gets the victory over any circumstance in life. Caleb got the victory. I tell you what, this is going to be a good morning. Because we're going to turn some things around. Turn some things in our lives and even corporately we have the potential to turn Some things around. So what turns us from being overwhelmed to being overcomers? I think it's a fairly important question to ask at the top end of this talk. Listen carefully. Overcoming turns us into overcomers. Overcoming turns us into overcomers. Some of you didn't get that. Keep listening. See, Overcoming is a process. I think somewhere in our thinking as Christians we think that you know, this whole concept of being an overcomer is something that sort of happens like that, it's an instant thing. But overcoming, becoming an overcomer is a process. You don't wake up one morning an overcomer without going through the process which turns you. Into an overcomer. It's a process of overcoming which we don't like that turns us from being overcome into an overcomer. If you've given up, if you're sitting there this morning thinking, well, I've already given up, well, then you have been overcome. But if you're still trying, if you're still swinging, you're overcoming. If you have given up, then start again today. Let me say that to you. Let me encourage you. If you feel like, I've already given up, let me say this. Please hear me. Start again today. And that puts you straight away back in the game. Immediately, you're overcoming. You're no longer overcome. But you are in the process of becoming an overcomer. So the answer to the question is this. It is the challenges of life that turns us into overcomers. Life. L-I-F-E. Life. You know what life stands for? Some people say it stands for looking instead for escape. And that's exactly what a lot of people are doing with life. They just want to get out. They want to find an easier way. People everywhere are looking for a way to escape the challenges of life. And that's being overcome. You know, life, as I've already said, is a cut-and-thrust existence in the wider community. A former prime minister famously said, life isn't meant to be easy. And you know what? I think Jesus actually agrees with him. In John 16:33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. One of the greatest prophecies ever given. And everybody applauds it every time they hear it, right? In this world you will have trouble. In Acts uh, 14.22, Paul and Barnabas tell the Christians in the new churches, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Another incredible prophecy of encouragement. See, the truth is life is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be easy because it's meant to form us and grow us and develop us into the kind of men and women that can ultimately make a difference. The challenges of life bring about trust in God and not men and endurance. Two key things. You know, if you don't trust God and if you don't have endurance, you will not ever overcome. You know, Greg Smith mentioned both of these in the AV that we watched. He said he learned to trust the plan that God had put in place, trusting God. All sorts of problems came up in the process. He felt like giving up. And then he said he learned to trust God's timing. He put in thousands of hours before he saw the victory. <coughs> Endurance. Both these factors are key learnings in the process of becoming an overcomer. Don't look instead for escape but embrace life and all the challenges of life so that we can grow and become the kind of Christian that God wants us to be. Now let's look at Caleb the overcomer and see what we can learn from him. What was Caleb like? You know from the very earliest time that I read about him he caught my attention and Over the years, I've learned more and more about him. I don't have time to really sort of tease out everything that we know about Caleb. But I can tell you a couple of things. Caleb lived in the 13th century BC. He was the son of Jephunneh, who was a highly regarded leader of the tribe of Judah. He and Joshua were the only two of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to spy out the promised land. And he brought back a good report on Canaan and showed great courage by speaking up against popular opinion and the other spies at the risk of being stoned. He also had to wait 45 years before he had the opportunity to enter into the land that God had promised him. The Bible says a whole lot of other stuff about Caleb. You find it in different Uh, sections, and different chapters and as I said I don't have time to tease it out but that gives you a bit of an overview of his life as we sort of jump into some particular characteristics that I've identified and here's the first one that I want to share with you this morning. Caleb was a man of praise. If you want to be an overcomer then you've got to be a man or a woman of praise. Caleb was a man of praise. How do we know that? Well, when Moses was choosing someone from each of the 12 tribes of Israel to go and spy out the land, it says in Numbers 13, verse 6, from the tribe of Judah, he chose Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Judah means praise. Judah means praise. Judah led the men of war into battle by singing and worship. They went out with a band. They had Trumpets and horns and um, drums. And they went out to war uh, playing these instruments and singing. They led the people into battle in music. The leader of the tribe of Judah was Jephunneh, who was highly regarded, the Bible says. And from that we can easily assume that he led the praise and worship well. He was a good worship leader, in other words. You know, if he was around today, people like Beck Seymour would be looking over their shoulder because the lead pastor would be looking to him and thinking, I'm going to hire him. Your job would be like, yeah. Jephunneh was a great worship leader. Caleb was the son of this sensational worship leader. And he was chosen by Moses (coughs) as one of the spies. (coughs) It wasn't a random selection excuse me just kill it Some hot water. We'll see. Okay. It wasn't a random selection bringing um, Caleb into the game. You can be sure of that. You can be sure that the son of the praise and worship leader of Israel was also a praise and worship leader. Uh, We can safely assume that. It's a little bit like... uh, like Beck, um, you know, Larry Commons is her father. Larry is a great worship leader. He's led worship all over the world. He's been leading worship for 35 years. Uh, he's led worship in some of the great churches of the world, Willow Creek Community Church, before 30,000 people he's led worship. Uh, he's leading worship all through Asia these days. And it's no wonder that his daughter has become a great worship leader. Caleb was a great worship leader. It says in the Psalms that God lives in the praises of his people. Isn't that an awesome thought? God lives in the praises of his people. That actually means that when we praise God, he makes a place in our praise. It's like God makes a seat in our praise and he comes and sits in that seat. He actually inhabits our lives in praise. I've got to tell you, I like the idea of God inhabiting my life like that. I really like that. Emmanuel, God with us in praise. You know, if you want to be an overcomer, you need God with you all the time. So we need to be praising God all of the time. I want you to get that. If you want to be an overcomer, you need to be praising God all of the time. Paul says, give thanks Always, in all things, give thanks. We must be into praise and worship if we want to be overcomers because the power of God is in our praise. Sometimes we say, well, I've got my own way of worshipping. I have my own way of praising. And you know what? That's okay as long as it's God's way. As long as it's God's way. You know, it says in John four twenty four, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth notice uh, jesus doesn't say well you know if you feel like it you can worship in spirit and truth or if the circumstances all line up if the planets are in alignment then worship me in spirit he says you must worship in spirit and truth a lot could be said about this verse but again because of time i don't have time to really do much with it but let me um explain it very simply worshiping in spirit speaks of heart worship, worship from the heart. It means we worship God with all of our being and with all of our um, um, involvement. It means, it it suggests abandonment. Uh, Worshiping in truth means we worship God according to the word of God, you know, the instructions of the word. And that includes all the postures of worship, just as, you know, clapping, jumping up and down, Now, a lot of people don't think that's legal. But the Bible teaches it and demonstrates it over and over again that in times of praise and worship, the people jumped up and down. It was part of their worship. Singing, raising your hands, shouting, kneeling. All of these things are how we worship in truth. I do not believe the Bible makes space for secret worshippers. That might be a bit challenging, a bit confronting for some. But I don't believe it does. You know, those who look like they don't really want to be there during a time of worship. Those who just sit through the worship and never stand and honour God with a body posture of readiness to worship. I was going to say those who stand with their hands in the pocket. I do that all the time. (laughs) You know what I mean, though just looking like ah well the music will end soon and we can get into the word. You know you can't receive the word the scripture tells us unless you worship but that's a whole lot of other teaching and we don't have time. Now I do want you to listen and and, and get this. I'm I'm not having a go at anybody who is a new Christian somebody new to the church, those who come from other traditions, those who are still learning um, some of these truths, those who might have physical uh, limitations. So please hear me. I'm not having to go at you because we're all on a journey, aren't we? We're all on a spiritual journey. As long as we get there, as long as we understand that God makes it clear how we should worship. Worshiping in spirit and in truth is not that hard. You know, we tend to do it all the time. We just direct our worship to the wrong gods. Ever been to the football? We jump. We clap. We cheer. We shout. We bow. Oh, King Wally. (laughs) Go Bronco. I mean, we worship without inhibition. And you know what I sometimes think when I see that, when I Uh, partake in that, I think God's there saying, what about me? What about me? Why don't you worship me like this? Why don't you let go of your inhibitions and show me how much you love me as well? Praise and worship brings the presence of God. And to be an overcomer, we need the presence of God in and over your life. Where God is, the devil isn't. Caleb was an overcomer because he was a man of praise. Second one, Caleb was a man of boldness. Let's go back to my key verse, Numbers 13, 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, Caleb's name means boldness, boldness. That's better than a lover of horses. (laughs) That's why he could say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can do it. We can do it. You know, Caleb stared down the ten spies who said no you can't and he overcame their negative report with yes i can i like yes we can people i love being around yes we can people the lead pastor loves yes we can people your leaders love yes we can people god loves yes we can people you know the lead pastor is a a big vision for catalyst and some people have said well we can't do that we can't do that. It's too hard and we're too busy with our own life and society is against us and, and people will push back at us if we try and reach out to them and the financial challenges are too great. We'll never raise a couple of million dollars to build a new campus. Now well, Those kinds of people are not around much anymore. But many of you said, yes, I can. Yes, I can. You said, it's not too hard. We'll make time. God is for us and people want to respond to the good news of the gospel, we will give generously. And because of Yes We Can people, people are being introduced to Christ, people are being baptised, and we did raise the funds for the tool that we need, a new campus. Praise God for Yes We Can people. praise God for people filled with boldness. The early church was a church which moved in God. The early church is described as a church filled with boldness. It says in Acts 4.31 After they were filled with the Holy Spirit they spoke the word of God boldly. If ever there's a case for being baptized with the Holy Spirit, there it is. Boldness is released when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the creed of the bold overcoming Christian. Nothing is beyond my power and the strength of him who makes me strong. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So, are you facing challenges today? Many of us are. Be a Caleb today and say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Rise up in the boldness that we have in Christ and take ground back from the one who wants to rob you of quality of life. Caleb, Caleb, was an overcomer because he was a man of boldness. But Caleb was also a man of vision. I love talking about vision. Numbers 14, 7 says, Caleb, with Joshua, said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. You see, he saw what God wanted him to see. Caleb had a vision of what God saw in the land. He could see it. Others saw giants and were afraid and got overwhelmed and backed off. They were no we can't people. But Caleb caught what God wanted him to catch and when he caught it he kept it. He didn't throw it back. He kept it and he talked it up and he told the others yes we can. In fact he carried the vision of what God wanted him to see for the next 45 years. When you get a vision from God When it lands in your spirit, you don't lose it easily. He was 40 when he caught the vision. He was 85 when he entered into the vision. I wonder if you're seeing what God wants you to see today. You look at your life today and you say, it's a mess. I've really mucked up big time. Well, just shut your eyes for a moment and see yourself as God sees you. God sees you with an amazing potential. And the challenge for you this morning is to see yourself as God sees you. Nobody is done. Nobody is finished. We can all rise up and be Caleb's. If you catch God's vision for your life, you will not let it go. You will hold on to it until you possess it. Proverbs 29.18 says, where there's no vision, the people die spiritually. A lot of folks say to me from time to time, I just feel so spiritually dead. And my regular answer is, what's God's vision for your life? And they look at me kind of a bit dumbstruck. You see, that's the problem. If you don't know what God's vision for your life is, then you're going to struggle spiritually. This is exactly what happened to Israel. And so for the next 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And you'll wander in the spiritual wilderness if you don't catch hold of God's vision. And let me give you a clue on this. What's God's vision for your life? I can tell you that God's vision for your life is in some way wrapped up in God's vision for the local church. Now Think about that. I'm not saying that that means you become uh, uh, part of the staff of Catalyst Church. Uh, I'm not suggesting you come into the vocational ministry but the vision of the church which essentially is reaching out, touching lives that can be worked out through your business through your career whether you're a teacher whether you're a farmer whether you're in industry whether you're a butcher even God can use you and you need to understand that your God's vision for your life is wrapped up in this vision as well. Caleb was an overcomer because he was a man of vision. But Caleb was also a man with a fighting spirit. I, I love this aspect of his character. Numbers uh, 14 verse 9 demonstrates it brilliantly. The people are rebelling yet again against God and his vision for them. And that usually means stoning. And in the midst of this, Caleb stares them down yet again and he says, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. I love that. He's saying, "Don't don't duck for cover, we'll eat them for breakfast. That's what he's saying. I love that. Then he goes on to say, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them wonder what you're facing today. Do you feel like you're being overcome by the challenges of life? It's time to stare them down. It's time to fight back. You know, sometimes it's good to fight just for the sake of fighting. You know, I love it. Years and years later, um, 45 years later, when um, Caleb is about to uh, take possession of his land, Um he says to Joshua, remember what Moses said? He said, I could have this bit of land, and it's the land where the Anakites are and the Zemzumites. Zemzumites were sort of giant people. They had huge beds, the Bible tells us. You know, it would freak me out to sort of walk into somebody's house and see a bed that size. I'd leave very happily without ever meeting whoever slept in the bed. But, but, but Caleb, Caleb sees all this and he says, give me my land. And he goes up and he fights. He's 85 years old. Yeah. He fights. And you know what he does when he gets the land? He gives it away. He just wanted to fight. I love a fighting spirit. Some of us really need to sort of stir ourselves up you know, draw a line in the sand. Step up to... Out! Woo, I'm stirring myself up. I'm speaking German. Out! I mean. Out! Not oust. Let the fighting spirit rise up in you. And push back hard. Carter was an overcomer because he had a fighting spirit. I love this one too. Carter was a man with a different spirit. Numbers 14, 24 says, But because... My servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went up to and his descendants will inherit it. What a testimony. <laughs> what a testimony. Caleb did not have the same spirit as the others. He had a different spirit. I would love God to look over the room of heaven one day and say, ah, there, there's Mutzelberg. He's got a different spirit. I would love that. Caleb had a different spirit. Different spirit from what? Well, again, you know, we don't have time. But um, Israel had a spirit of unbelief. Uh, Israel had a spirit of rebellion against spiritual authority. Israel had a spirit of hardness of heart. They couldn't hear what God had to say to them. Israel was not fully committed to God. But Caleb was different. He was different to that. Check it out. You can look at it uh, for yourself. It's in Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 10. It's in um, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. You'll see it everywhere. You'll see this spirit that Israel had and Caleb didn't have it because he had a different spirit. Caleb was not an ordinary run-of-the-mill guy. He had a different spirit and that's what I want. And I can tell you that's what you want too. God wants men and women with a different spirit from the spirit of unbelief, rebellion, hardness of heart, uncommitment, key to overcoming these negative spirits is something as simple as encouragement do you realize the power of encouragement you know i started by talking about uh uh, connect groups uh, being a place where we can encourage each other as much as sharing the difficulties we have but you know when we share our difficulties when then we're able to pour courage into the one (laughs) who is going through a difficulty but you know in in, if we can just learn to encourage each other it tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 that, uh, that Israel had unbelief because they didn't encourage each other they didn't remind each other about the great things that God was doing in their lives a key to overcoming uh, these negative spirits a key to getting a different spirit is something as simple of encouragement and we all have that responsibility We can all encourage each other. You can spot people with a different spirit right off and they're all around you. They're here this morning. And can I suggest you seek them out and let them encourage you. Caleb was an overcomer because he had a different spirit. Caleb had a persevering spirit. In Joshua 14, 10 through 11, it says, and this is really good reading. Listen, he says, Now then, Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. (laughs) Since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. I just picture uh, Caleb making his point. I reckon he said it something like that. 45 years. I want you all to hear me. 45 years. God's kept me alive. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Don't you love that? I mean, that's amazing. It's wonderful. What a man. Forty-five years later, he's still singing the same song. Yes, I can. Forty-five years waiting for the vision because of someone else's unbelief. Someone else's rebellion against God. Someone else's hardness of God. Someone else's lack of commitment. But he perseveres under trial. He doesn't give in. He persevered. He lasted. You know, I wonder what he did sometimes to last through those years. I I picture him in the desert, wandering around with the rest of Israel. And then he gets word. Jonesy's dead. I reckon he might have gone into his tent, zipped it up, and sort of done a little dance. Jonesy's dead. Jonesy's dead. Only two hundred thousand more to go. <laughs> well, remember, you know, they had to all die off because they could enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. So, kill them, Lord, kill them. I don't know. Maybe I would have. That's why I'm not Caleb, I guess. But he had a vision and he waited for his day to possess it and he knew that day was coming now in hebrews 6 11 12 it says we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure we do not want you to become lazy but to (coughs) imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised caleb was overcoming all those years until he finally received his inheritance he was an overcomer because he persevered and here's the final one i'll mention Caleb trusted god all his life his faith remained unshakable all his life Joshua 14:12 says now give me this hill country that the lord promised me that day you yourself heard then that the enehites were there and that their cities were large and fortified But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. You know, this amazing man Caleb had faith as a 40-year-old to charge into the cities of the Anarchites and take the land because he believed God was his helper. And now, 45 years later, at 85 years of age, he still has faith. He still has faith to charge into the cities of the Anarchites and take the lamb because he still believes God is his helper. Nothing has changed. His faith over all those years has remained constant. Through all the trials and challenges of life, he still trusts God. His faith is in God. It's not for things. It's in God. God is the source of our life, church. He's the giver of every good thing. He's still the Creator God of the universe, unchanging in his love and his grace towards us. You know, while men may change, God remains unchanging in his love towards us, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why you can trust him all of your lives. You know, I've been a Christ follower for about 60 years. I cannot remember a single day of my life where I doubted God and his ability to reach into my life and love me. And I have been through a whole lot of stuff as well. Sometimes people say, yeah, but you haven't been through what I've been through. You know, when I sit down and think about it, there's not much that I haven't been through that you haven't been through. I believe all of my life that God is a hope and a future for me. And this room is filled with people like that again I encourage you to look around and seek them out people have lived many years walking with God and as a result they're overcoming coming. Caleb was an overcomer because he trusted God all of his life. Now here's a closing thought overcoming Christians bring about peace in our community it says in Joshua 14 verse 15 then the land had rest from war. I thought about that verse when I saw it this week. I thought, how can that apply to us in our churches? And I started to think, you know, what would a church look like that was filled with overcoming Christians? People who hadn't given up. People who were pushing back. People who were wanting to reclaim land. What would our churches look like? been thinking about this I believe they would be churches where, there were, where we would know the rest and peace of God because you see if we've got an overcoming spirit we know that regardless of what's going on it's all in God's hand and he's going to win, he's going to fight for us we are going to overcome, the church will go on and it will be victorious. And that we can live victorious lives because of it. It kind of takes the pressure off. We can find rest. Doesn't matter how bad we are. Doesn't matter how much we've messed up our lives. Just knowing, just knowing that if we push back, we start to fight back, Just knowing that we become overcoming Christians by doing that puts us in a place where we can find rest and peace and I think that's a pretty good place to be. So Father, this morning I pray in Jesus' name that everyone in this room will be challenged today to think again about their position in Christ. Lord, it's so easy for us to feel total failures. It's so easy for us to feel as though we've been overcome, we've lost the battle, and that God has written us off. Lord, I ask that that lie that comes straight out of the pit of hell will be killed off today, and that you will, by your spirit, speak to our hearts and tell us that we can have the same spirit that Caleb had, we can have an overcoming spirit. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of men and women around this room this morning who have lasted through many years through all kinds of circumstances. I just pray, oh God, that you'll bless them and encourage them and cause them to be a shining light to those of us who need some encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would even stir their hearts to seek out those who they would sense need some encouragement so that they can minister life to them. But we thank you right now for the life of your Holy Spirit, that powerful investment of your Spirit into our life that brings change. And I pray that each one of us can receive that now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to break for coffee, I think, unless um, you're coming back. Uh, We're going to break for coffee. Um, If you would like some prayers, some encouragement, uh, I'll be here. Others will be here, other pastors will be here. And we'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Um, We can be overcomers. We can turn the tide today. So let's go out there and do it. God bless you.